Romans chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. Romans chapter 4. And again, I want to encourage you, this movie tonight has some very awesome... It's a documentary. It's not a drama. It's not going to be... Uh, there's no storyline in the sense other than real events. And it's some men and women being very honest about different aspects of fatherhood. And, uh, it's, uh, and ultimately our father being God himself. And so a very, very, very touching movie. Romans chapter 4, I want to look with you at Abraham. The Bible in our text calls him the father of our faith. And I began to be moved by that, that if he's the father of our faith, or the father of us all, it is a man that we can look at maybe and understand some issues of fatherhood from, as many would call him in the Jewish and even in the Muslim religions, Father Abraham. Jim Gaffigan is a comedian, very funny comedian. He made his thing, made his kind of uh, thing on food, and he's clean for the most part. And so um, you can always rest assured, uh, you know, mostly if you listen to him. But anyway, he, well, Jim Gavin was being inter- interviewed on the issue of fatherhood. And he made the statement, he said, when, he, when asked, why so many children? Jim Gaffigan and his wife have five children. And he said, well, why not? I guess the reasons against having more children have always seemed uninspiring and superficial. What exactly are you missing out on? Money? A few hours more sleep? A peaceful meal? More hair? There's nothing to compare to compared to what I get from these five monsters who rule my life. I believe that each of my children has made me a better man. Each one of them have pumped uh, is a pump of light into my shriveled black heart. I wouldn't trade money, sleep, or hair for the smile of one of my children in a heartbeat. Well, it depends on how much hair. But anyway, Jim is saying that being a father is something of value. Something that does something to his life as well as his children. That there's something about being a father is a great blessing. That our, uh, this is being more than just being a, uh, you know, someone who got a girl pregnant and then disappeared. This is being responsible in someone's life. And having that relationship. I want to look with you at Abraham. The father of our faith, Romans six, uh, four, Romans four, verse sixteen. So the promise is received by faith, and it is given as a free gift. We are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. For we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who. Believe, or most translations will say the father of us all. And so I think we can examine Abraham's life and begin to look at his life and begin to understand some things that are beneficial 
in a father and a husband for the future. Abraham, without a doubt, was a man who honored, or who heard, rather. We'll get to honor in just a second. But he was a man who heard and obeyed God. Romans, uh, Romans, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, or Abraham, Leave your uh, uh, native country and your relatives and your family's uh, father's family and go into a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. One of the best things you can do for your family is hear and obey God. We live in a generation where many are given over to not listening to God. We're not obeying God. I understand that. In public in general, all you have to do is read the newspaper and know that, you know, a whole lot of the issues in life would be solved if everyone got saved. Think of all the political issues that would be saved. That would just go away. Think about all the social issues that would just go away. All the violence and all of that. I get that. But there's one thing about being a man who can hear from God and obey what God has. Pastor Mitchell would be quoted and said many times, you have nothing to fear if you are in the middle of the will of God. There is nothing you have to worry about. There's, sometimes the will of God can seem terrifying. It can be an adventure into the unknown. It can be a venture into the places you're not sure about. But one of the best things you can do for your family is hear and obey God. Let God speak to your life. Let God help you. This is the impact that it will have on your family, there were people who were saying that, oh, you know, you're not doing a good decision when I made the decision to go overseas. And we didn't know when we made that decision it was going to be for 14 years. We had no idea at that point. But the children, they would say, oh, what about the children? You know, you know they were, my, my daughter was eight. My daughter was 10, rather. My son was eight when we went overseas. They're in the middle of school. They've just uh, uh, starting. We're going to have to homeschool, which we, you know, uh, at that time, it was, you know, we weren't sure we were going to do that or how it was going to work. We were kind of forced into it, and it kind of it worked out very well. And oh, you're going to do damage. You're going to oh, this will affect them. You won't be able to give them. You know, we won't make as much money. My kids got to see Europe. I mean, we made it to Normandy and Paris and London and in all the places that if you ever wanted to go, it's going to cost you a lot of money. It cost me, you know. I took my son to, when he graduated high school, we took him to, uh, I went with Bert Fladeris, who's coming for our marriage retreat. He and I and our sons went to London and I think we probably spent $250. 
We got this bed and breakfast that was two bunk beds. Toilets across the hall, showers at the end of the hall kind of place. That's where we stayed. It cost us like 65 euros or pounds. I can't remember what it was, but it was pretty cheap to stay there. Boys were on the top bunk. Dads were on the bottom bunk. We went down. We ate breakfast, had a very good breakfast, bought a day pass on the tube, and just played in London for two days. $250. When my son graduated high school, he took a test to see where he ranked on certain levels with all the, all the graduating class of his year. He, top, he scored in the top 5% in math. This is why he is now working for NASA. It wasn't a disaster. He needs to get saved, yes, but his, he's not on drugs, he's not doing heroin, you know. The greatest impact you'll have on your family. My daughter, she tells me she's so glad that's where she met her husband. Eventually moved to Holland. Has three of my favorite people in the world living with her. I'm going to get a fourth one soon, but that one will be in Florida. But anyway, the best thing you can do is hear from God and take them into the great adventure. What your wife will need for that is the security that you need to provide for her to be able to do it. Was Abraham perfect? No. He starts on this journey and immediately there's some hard times. There's a famine in the land. A famine in the land today would be the equivalent of some kind of financial setback. And so the first thing he does, rather than go to God to help, he runs to the world. He runs to Egypt. And while he's on his way to Egypt, he makes in, in Genesis 12.10, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. And on his way down, he's like, honey, you're really pretty. And if they see you, they're going to kill me and try to take you as, your, as, as a wife. Now, let me just say this to the, the husbands. Your wife wants to hear that she's good looking. Even if it's first thing in the morning and she doesn't feel good looking. Or if I could even be so honest, it's that time of the month and she doesn't feel good looking. I'm ugly. No, you're beautiful, honey. You're beautiful. I love you. Beautiful. Tell your wife she's beautiful. But don't do it in the way, in the backhanded way Abraham did. And while he's down there, he almost loses his marriage. And not only that, he did it again, which is just like later he does it again. It's like, didn't you learn the first time? But through the whole process, Abraham had one very good quality. Genesis 13, four, uh, 3 and 4. And from Negev, uh, which is Egypt, they continued traveling 
by stages towards Bethel. And they pitched their tent between Bethel and Ai, where they camped before. This was the same place where Abraham had built an altar. And there he worshipped the Lord again. Husband or a father, he's be willing to come back. Start down a wrong road, you make a mistake, trusting in the wrong thing, you need to have the ability to come back. But you know what, honey? I was wrong. We done wrong. You need to get back. It wasn't Sarah that took them back. And it's not always not the wife. That's a double negative in English. I mean, sometimes it can be the wife that says, hey, stupid, stop being stupid. Let's go back to, you know, get right. But in this case, Abraham had that willing. Willingness to repent. Willingness to say, I was wrong. We need to do right. It's critical as a father, as a leader. One time... I had disciplined my son, and it was, it was wrong. I, he, I didn't have all the facts. My wife had to say, oh, you didn't know this X, Y, and Z. So I apologized to him, and that night he asked, why did Dad apologize? Something about that criticalness of wanting to be right. God, not just right. And Abraham, as our text says, he had faith. Romans 4.22, because of the faith, because of Abraham's faith, God counted it to him for righteousness. It's one thing to believe God for the moment. We need a miracle at the moment. We had just had a revival. People healed. We prayed for people. We had faith for the moment. God could heal this person. Take away that pain. Do a miracle here. Do this. Do that. But Abraham's faith was actually for the long haul. It was faith when things weren't working out. Desperate situation. God had promised them a child and 75, uh, 25 years would go by. There is time. Menopause. No longer. Getting pregnant. He would have to believe God for big things. He lived a life of faith, not just momentary, we need this, we need that kind of faith. But a faith that took, them, took his family through. He had these things working in his life. And he began to put them into his family. There was... Richard Scarry is an author of children's books, and he titled a book called, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? And the book was titled, The Bunny Book. And it explored through the book, through the reader, reader of various career options for a boy, a baby bunny boy, or bunny, a baby boy bunny, a policeman, a clown, a lifeguard, a doctor, a farmer. Before landing on Baby Bunny's most important vocation, a dad. Joseph Sude said 
of the Action Institute concludes that surely this bunny will be more likely to be a dad than anything else. All the provision must, after all, come from somewhere. This builds a type. Uh, this is uh, this, but this type of building and conclusion serves and is helpful illustration that when you go through the world, many be, might be telling you to achieve X, Y, and Z. But many of us are called first and foremost to our families. I'm not sure if you can get that book on Amazon. I didn't look it up. But the reality is, whatever, you know, we, tell, we talk to little boys, and I get it, you don't want to start too young about being a dad, I get that. But, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Very common question. But most likely, they're going to be a dad, and you've got to teach them somewhere. You've got to teach them to set God as a priority. Serving God is a priority. Abraham had a relationship with God, but he served him more than just out of duty. We looked at our Sunday school about having access into the presence of God through the veil. James 2 and 23 and says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Christianity flows out of relationship. And serving God comes out of that relationship with God. And one of the greatest things your children can see is the impartation of serving God. I listen to my daughter talk sometimes about issues and things. And of course, she sounds just like her mother. And when, true story, when, when they got married, Desmond met my in-laws for the first time. And when he heard my mother-in-law, he goes, ah, now it all makes sense. Christianity flows out of that relationship with God. James 9.24 But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. For I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. God is looking for those who make serving him and knowing him a priority. Prayer. Do your children see you pray? Read your Bible. Do they see that? Discuss it. Teach them scriptures. Don't just leave that to... We have wonderful Sunday school teachers. Wonderful Sunday school teachers. Don't leave all the responsibility on them. Because it's very interesting. We do not make it a rule. Churches should not make it a rule. Prescott has a couple of male Sunday school teachers, but they're often pretty rare and often better to deal with older kids. Very interesting. They need that example, especially the 24-7 example of living with a dad. They need to know that you love your wife more than any other thing a relationship Save your relationship with God. 
In Prescott, I had a couple come to me for counsel. They were, I, they were, our marriage is tough. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, he loves bicycles and hunting. He's never home. And I said, bro, what does your wife want from you? He says, I don't know. That's why we're here. I said, well, let me tell you what, what your wife wants. She wants to be number one in your life. After Jesus, she wants to be number one. Beyond the careers, beyond the hobbies, beyond whatever, wants to be number one. That's what she wants. They thought I was a genius. I also had to explain to her that men have, a, a, men have an obsession. It's the boxes versus the spaghetti, if you remember that old illustration used by one. I laugh your way to a better marriage. When men get upset, they get into it. I read a t-shirt the other day that was a take on an old saying that said, Teach a, uh, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish. He's going to have to buy graphite rods, reels, lures, a boat, and a truck. Men get into it. Right, I told you about the shirt I liked. It's, if it's guitars, it ain't, it ain't hoarding if it's guitars, right? Some it's guns, some it's, you know, whatever. I had to go down and clean up my mother's house, and in my brother's collection, I found a pack, an unopened pack of rest, 1984 wrestling cards. I, just sold, I put it on eBay and sold it within four hours. Made $20. I'm booking the cruise as we speak. But anyway, people have an obsession. Why? I, wrestling cards from the 1980s? I don't even care about it. Besides, the gum is probably stale. But people, Ben, will have an obsession. You've got you to gotta work with that lady. You've got to let him have those. He's going to have something he's into, tools or whatever. Remember, I was talking with John uh, Robinson. And I was saying, yeah, I'm going to put all my tools in a bag and bring it. He's like, all your tools in one bag? I can't, I can't relate. He's like, where do you spend your money? I said, guitars. He goes, oh, yeah, okay, that's right. Right? We're going to have an obsession. That's okay. As long as it's not another female or groups of them, if it's... Or drugs or gambling. Or some other... Wicked vice. Ephesians 5.28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Genesis 21.9 and through 11, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom had born to Abraham scoffing and therefore she said to Abraham cast out this bondwoman and her son for the promise uh, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son namely with Isaac with this matter he was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son but he did it now that's an extreme case that's a very extreme case 
But the picture there is, okay, honey, that's what I need to do. This is not her usurping or being an uncovered Jezebel or whatever you might, you know. This is her saying, make me number one. That's what I want. And he protected his family. Now, to some people, when I say protection, that means they got, you know, a nine millimeter under the pillow. It's a protection. I've got my family protected. I've got my nine millimeter. You might need that. That's not a bad thing. As long as it's legal. Anyway. But how about spiritually protecting them? In Genesis 14, and I'm not going to read it all, but Lot leaves, Abraham goes down to Sodom, gets involved with there, and there's a war, and five kings invade four, basically five cities invade four cities, and Sodom is taken away. And so Abraham gets 387 men that were born in his own house, and they go after them. And when they go after them, they rescue them, they rescue all of that, they bring all the captives back. And it says, right after Abraham returned from the victory, this is verse 17, over these kings and allies, the king of Sodom met him. But also did the king of Salem, Jerusalem, or Salem, meet him. The Bible says that he, he Melchizedek, blessed Abraham with saying, Blessed is Abram, the Most High God, the Creator of the universe, and blessed is the Most High who has defeated your enemies. So Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all he had recovered. Then the king of Sodom came and said, Give me back the people who were captured, but keep the goods for yourself that you have recovered. And Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the most high creator of heaven and earth, I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong that belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I'm the one who made Abraham rich. I'll only accept what the young warriors have already eaten. And I request you give them the fair share of goods to my allies. And he names a couple. Protecting your house is who will you receive and give honor to. There's a contrast here. Melchizedek is actually compared in the book of Hebrews to Jesus Christ. The king of Sodom would be a great picture of Lucifer himself. Protecting your family is who are you going to pay homage to? Who are you going to allow to have the influence in your life? When we were parents of young children, there was certain music we didn't allow in the house, certain magazines we didn't allow in the house. Had the web blocker. That wasn't just for me and my ministry. It was also for my son. Even my daughter nowadays. Protecting your family. What are you letting in? What are you putting out? To whom do you pay honor? I think that's more important 
and the pistol under the pillow. Let's talk about Abraham and the effect on his children because they were long-lasting. We know that Abraham is probably the most famous father that's ever lived. Honored by three religions. Spoken of constantly. More than Noah. More than Adam. And we are both, we are all in here, direct descendants of both Adam and Noah. They would actually be in our DNA somewhere would be a link to Adam and Noah. If we got Noah's DNA, we'd all test positive. Adam's DNA would all test positive. Physically, we are linked to those two, but yet Abraham is more famous as a father. He had more impact and lasting impact. But that aside, as you and I aren't going for the history books as much as just our rugrats, or as Jim Gaffigan described them, the little monsters that control our lives. Genesis 26, 2 through 5, And the Lord appeared to Isaac, said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will bless you, and I will hereby confirm that I will give you all the lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. And I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I'll give them, the, uh, give them all these lands, though your descendants and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to, my vo- listened to me and obeyed me in all my requirements, commandments, decrees, and instructions. Your obedience will open up doors for your children. Your obedience will cause people, your, your children, to have opportunities to be blessed. I mean, it doesn't take long, and I don't want to embarrass anybody specifically, but it doesn't take long to look at the descendants of Jack and Grace Stoll and Paul and Claire Van Epp. And know your lives would have been very different had they not served God. Very different. Did they always serve God? Nope. Were they always perfect? Nope. But did they give you and others opportunity? Yep. Did all of their children obey God? No, they both got one major holdout that we're praying for. But the reality is, impact will be felt because you, the promise goes to Isaac because Abraham obeyed God. Fathers have more impact. You're setting an example. This is a 1967 public service announcement that they used to show on television. I've referred to this before, but I was actually able to find it. So let's show that. 
I'm not sure how good the quality is, but remember it was from 1960s. Like father, like son. information on smoking and heart They used to show that on television. That was like a high-tech commercial back in the day. But it, it vividly illustrates the point. Imitate. I actually found a modern version of that commercial. It probably for, I think it was for Singapore. And uh, that, that impact of that. Fathers make impact. They copy what you do. Genesis 26, 17, and 18. So Isaac moved away from the valley, from the Ge'ar Valley, and set up his tents and settled down. And he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in, uh, in after Abraham's death. So Isaac restored the names that Abraham had given them. Sons, redig that which fathers have done. Habits. And God honors those who honor him. Our text tells us, so the promise received by faith was given a free gift and we are certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham, who is the father of us all, Abraham honored God and God honored God will honor the man that honors him. How will that all play out? Will it be a perfect life? No, but in your children. And that's the responsibility that a father has. And I must say, for those that are in this room today, you serve God, you are giving your children and eventually your grandchildren the best chance of making heaven their home because of your willingness to honor. And you might say, well, my father hasn't been a great example. Well, if that's the point, come tonight. Maybe he's been a great example. That's the point. Come tonight. You're going to be moved by this movie. I'll tell you. Powerful. And so when we honor God, God will honor us. It will play out in our children. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Abraham, the father, as an example. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved, you're not right with God, you're not born again. You need Jesus Christ in your heart. You changed. 
or you're backslidden away from God, you need to come to Jesus. I wonder if you'd very quickly flip up your hand. Pray for me. I need God to help me. I need to get saved. I need to turn from my sins. I need God to speak to my life. Anyone at all. Changing the call then to the church, especially fathers, it is a glorious opportunity to be a father. Not a perfect job, but to influence and have that influence, especially when they're young. But if you and I will just do what's right, serve God, honor God, love, love that child's mother, God will honor and bless us as a result. Because I love that scripture that we read. Love your wife as yourself, because if you love your wife, you're really loving on yourself. It comes back in many ways to bless you. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars, and we're going to pray for fathers. Give them a little gift. Worship his name. Hallelujah. Let's sing it out. You're my refuge and my strength. You're the... Father, we love you.